Um, my name is Marike Sai and I am CPTO at Fris. It means that I am responsible for all product development uh, at Fris. My career is a little bit quirky. Um, it means that I uh, studied actually Mediterranean archaeology and ancient history and ended up as a manager of a technology department. So that is maybe a strange path. But um, after I finished my studies, I went traveling the world. And of course, afterwards, I was very broke. I needed money. I jumped to the first opportunity that came on my path. And there you go. So I went to work for the uh, government of Amsterdam. And uh, I think halfway through my first year, there was a choice you could make. Either do you want to move more towards the tech side or do you want to move more towards product management or um, you know, a policymaker side, and I decided to go for the tech side. And from there on, I just jumped on every opportunity I got and basically worked as a manager development, CTO, now CPTO, even CEO, but always within the tech sector, in the software development sector. I like to be analytic. I tend to really, really like the people at the development department and uh, yeah, I think it just came naturally and intuitively. When I first entered the tech sector, um, I think it felt very natural. So even though I did study something really different, I always liked science and everything analytical. And um, I like to have a new challenge. So the first team I started, they said, let's try something new. There's this thing going on in the tech world, in the software development that's called Agile and Scrum, and this was already 20 years ago. I jumped on that ship and it was really cool. Like it had to do with how to improve processes and software development. And I think interesting to say is I cannot write one single line of code. So I am not a coder myself, but it means that it makes it a bit easier for me to manage and help and facilitate the people that do because I will never get into the position where I'll say, let me do it or I'll show you how it's done. And I uh, still, until this day, have a huge respect for everyone working for my department because I think it's super cool if you can develop software and write code and do cool stuff like that. It's still a man's world. I think we live in a man's world anyway. So. Uh, it is still a man's world, but for me, it's not a big thing. So within development itself, um, it's not like that I was bothered by the fact that a lot of people I was working with are men. And what you could see gradually, especially when I was managing departments, that we did get a lot of traction of women coming to work for our companies because they were the ones saying, it is really cool to have a female CTO or CPTO or manager development. I've never had that. So that was for me an eye opener because myself, I'm not so much into, you know, the gender or it's not something I look at the person and, you know, it's not something that bothers me on the work floor. But I could notice that people, uh, developers for my department, a lot of women felt really attracted to start working for a CTO. I think it's more a bother uh, one level up, if you ask me. So I mean that when I started to work for the development departments, the departments itself were not so much a problem, right? So I don't know um, how to explain it maybe, but I think within development, people are way, are maybe a little bit different type of people. It's hard to explain. 
So it's not so much about men or women. Everyone is very different and has their own you know, stuff going on. So there's more diversity from a personal point of view, I guess. That's what I wanted to say. But once I started to being part of a management team, this is where I would really enter into a man's world where you could see that how decisions were made, how conversations went. Um, you know, everyone surrounding me were always men. So, for example, I had to go to um, um, conferences or anything. I would be the only woman in the room and that would be really strange. So it's more like comparing myself to other CTOs or managers development. I was a rare kind. There were not a lot of other women at these conferences, for example. I thought it was kind of funny, so I would make fun of it. For example, not wearing a blue suit, but wearing a, a red t-shirt or my sneakers just to stand out even more and to show everyone how ridiculous it is. So I even remember I had to do this talk on stage and then I said, can every woman in the room that is a management level stand up and no one would stand up. So that was really funny because all the guys were like super uncomfortable, of course, by that fact. So I think for me, I see it as a challenge, right? I think it didn't really bother me. It is a bit boring though. I mean, conversations tend to always go to the same direction. And actually the question you're asking, like, how is it to be a woman in IT? You know, after 20 years, you're like, how come this is still something to even discuss? I mean, really? So, yeah. Yeah, so for me, I think it's important to point out it's not about female or male, right? I think nowadays we should be way more broader and talk about different genders because it's not just male and female, right? But it's also uh, the diversity as a whole. I, I feel very strongly about diversity and inclusion in the broader sense of the word, meaning that I also look for people from an other economical background or people from other cultural backgrounds, other genders, because the thing is you hire what you know. This is very common knowledge, right? So this means that the people at the top of a company, they will hire what makes them feel comfortable. But in my opinion, if you wanna innovate, if you want to change stuff, if you want to have like good and cool dynamics, you need to have a diverse workforce because otherwise you, otherwise you will only have people, you know, nodding yes and agreeing with you, which is maybe very comfortable in the short term, but not so comfortable if you want to innovate, innovate in the long term. Um, well, the actual action you can take is to make sure that if you hire someone to really create a choice. So normally if you have recruiters, what happens a lot is you get three CVs all more or less the same type of person. And then people say, yeah, but you should hire the best. But I'm like, if you don't give me a choice to start with, it is very, very difficult to say who's the best. So I always really start at the beginning where I say to our recruiters, please give me diversity, like younger, older, male, female, other genders, uh, other cultural backgrounds, and then you have a proper choice, right? So I always look for uh, diversity in the candidates that I start to interview. And this also means that I'm kind of strict. So if I only have three of the same flavor, I will go back to the recruiter and say, I will not even humor or start the interview because this doesn't feel like I actually have a choice. And then in the end, if I feel that uh, 
white male candidate is the best, I would still hire the best candidate, but it starts with having an actual choice, I think. So for the recruiters, sometimes they will say to me, yeah, but these are really the best I have, but I don't buy into that. I think that's ridiculous. I think you can do, you know, your best way better than that and saying that, you know, this is the best is you have. I think this is what you have in your portfolio. And also there it is like, you know, what you know makes you feel comfortable. But I think we really need to make an effort to see what is out there. And let's all agree there is way more out there than the image we now see in top of, uh, in the top layer of businesses, politics, etc. Right? Yeah, so I think the good thing is that it means that you actually have a choice. So it means that you can actually push diversity within your company. So for example, within Frizz, we have a lot of cultures and this is a really good thing. So you do see the result in the way that um, you get used to the fact that you hire for more diversity and so do the recruiters, meaning that you know, you get way more different cultural backgrounds, you have uh, a better leveled out uh, balance between uh, men and women. So yeah, you do get a result from that. And as you can probably understand, it also attracts other people that are not the standard type of people, right? So it means if you see a company where, you know, if you would ask, uh, for example, again at Frizz, you know, how many cultures we would say, yeah, over 35, we do everything in English just to accommodate everyone that's not a native Dutch person. And even if you have more females within development, it means that other women that, you know, want to apply feel a little bit more comfortable because being the first is always the hardest, right? But once you have like a group that grows, then it's a bit easier, for example, to jump ship from one company to another based on the fact that there are more women working there. Well, I think a safe environment is something that you need to have for every employee, right? And this difference per employee, what makes them feel safe. That is the whole diversity thing. There is no one size fits all. So this means as a manager, you really have to facilitate and accommodate the persons that are working for you. So for me, this is besides the diversity and inclusion topic. It just means that as a manager, you need to have eye for the personal side of people and understand what is it that you need to you know, become the best professional version of you and to give you an environment that makes you flourish. And that is something that I think each manager, you know, should really look into because this is also very different uh, from person to person. So in the practical sense, um, I use a couple of things, right? Intuition for one, I think that's a very important thing. We tend to look uh, shyly at stuff like emotions and intuition. But for me as a manager, it's a big thing. So if I see or talk to someone and I get a feeling something's going on, I will react to it. Even if I have no any proof or clue that this is really it, I will just ask questions. And also really observing people, you know, looking at their faces, listening to their answers. And I think the third thing is really listen to what people say and do not be afraid to ask questions that are on an emotional level, like how are you doing and are you feeling safe and how do you feel the team dynamics are? Do you feel respected? You can ask these questions and I know a lot of people tend to avoid it because they're afraid of the answer. 
But if the answer is, I do not feel safe, then at least you have a trigger as a manager to do something about it. If you're afraid to ask the question because the answer will be negative, you will not change the culture of the uh, company. Well, I think it's important because we need to understand. Yeah, I think the task force DNY is important because we still have issues acknowledging the fact that we um, are so comfortable in how our world looks now that each change we do, you feel some sort of a opposition, right? People say, why should you promote women specifically or other people? But if you look at the facts, for example, that people from a lower economical background still struggle to get a higher uh, educational advice in the Netherlands or even struggle going to university because it's expensive, but same, you know, for uh, women that they still, you know, you still see all the research where you see that uh, a lot of women still earn less than the, their co-workers that are male do. And this all means that it's not so much of just saying, you know, hire for the best or uh, this is how it's always been. It is a, a fact of accepting that we should change and we should do that actively and we should be aware of our own pitfalls as a society where as i said in the beginning we hire and feel comfortable with what we know but if you stick to what you know nothing will ever change right the outcome will stay the same and for me that is the reason why the dny task force is really important so I think it's very important that we step away from how we've been running businesses and how we have set ourselves aside as women as well. For example, I was giving this example to someone else. A couple of weeks ago, I was in a situation that was really annoying and out of frustration, I cried. And someone else was saying, oh my God, how did you dare to cry in this room with other managers? But I, f I didn't feel ashamed. I actually felt pride, proud. I was like, yeah, it's really something that, you know, it's very well known that women, when they get angry or frustrated, tend to cry. This is not a bad thing. So for me, it's important to put out there that having things that make you you, for example, crying or in my case, I'm emotional, I'm intuitive, but I'm proud of it. So when something is happening, instead of bringing all kinds of analytical reasons why something is good or bad, I tend to say it doesn't feel right. And in the beginning, people have to get used to it. But I think it's very important that we start to realizing that the way management has been perceived over the past years, where everything is, you know, like more towards the male side, where you rationalize and have to have arguments for everything. I think the psychology shows that these arguments are only thought up after the fact that you had feelings or a gut feeling that something wouldn't work. So for me, that is really important. I would always say to everyone, just be you and be proud of that. Because as you, no matter who you are, like gender, econo economical background, you know, cultural background, you as an asset will bring the latest and greatest to us. And if you are you, then at least we have a chance, you know, in coming up with something really great because we all have different viewpoints and all have different ideas. So being you is the best thing you can bring to a company. So I think it's important to mention that it is good to just be you at work. So for example, a couple of weeks ago, I was in a meeting with all managers and something happened that really made me angry and frustrated. 
and I had to cry. And instead of what, what I would have done a couple of years ago, felt ashamed about my tears, now I actually, you know, didn't feel any shame at all. I was actually proud of myself for just being me. Because sometimes when you get frustrated or angry, I tend to cry and so do a lot of women. I think we saw an example in uh, the politics a uh, couple of weeks ago as well. So for me, the most important thing is that we start to learn and accept that everyone is their own person with their own way of expressing themselves. And there is no over emotional or good or bad in any of these things. If you are just you and you bring the best you to the workforce, it means that you really contribu contribute in looking, things, looking at things from a different perspective and being proud of what you bring into the workforce. So in the beginning in my career, and especially when I joined the, the, the top level of a company, I felt the need to be one of the guys. So this meant, this meant that I was actually changing who I was to be you know, acting or maybe doing stuff as the other all-male people in my management team would do. But at a point in time, I really noticed for myself that it didn't bring me any energy nor happiness. It was actually draining my energy. And I realized that being one of the guys is ridiculous since I am not a guy and that it might be way better to just bring in me because that is like who I am and this is why I'm actually at the position not just because I'm a good CTO, but also because I am Marika. And as Marika, I will bring the best change to the company. So um, this is, I think, the one thing I say to a lot of other women or people that are in a mi minority group at a workforce, be you and be proud of who you are. Even if you have like, you know, the yin and yang side of things. You, we all have things we're proud of. We're, we all have things we might, you know, feel ashamed about or not so proud of, but just be you because bringing you to the workforce is actually the only thing that will make you happy, but also uh, to give your 100% contribution instead of trying to be something that you're actually not trying to fit in. So when I do job interviews, it's very easy to pick the person that you feel really comfortable with, right? So we all have this in life where you have a conversation with a person and immediately you feel this click with someone. But for me, it's a trigger to maybe take one step sideways because having this immediate connection with someone means that someone more likely is a little bit in my type of area, right? We might look alike. And I think that, and it doesn't say you will not get hired if I immediately like you, of course, but it's also interesting for me to challenge myself when I have people that give me an uncomfortable feeling or ask questions have, or have a way of looking at things that I do not recognize. I tend to be really interested and triggered about this because you want to take yourself out of the equation when you interview people. I know who I am and I know what I know and my point of view. So if someone in an interview can make me feel kind of uncomfortable and come up with things and ask questions that I haven't thought of myself, I'm very likely to hire this person because I know that this person will bring me insights and point of view that I would never come up with myself. So that is also my tip for others. Try to get into the uncomfortable feeling maybe that someone can give you and see 
you know, this person might bring some innovative and change ideas to our company instead of hiring what makes you feel comfortable. So my tip for you is instead of hiring a person that makes you feel comfortable, also really try and hire the person that makes you feel uncomfortable because if someone makes you feel uncomfortable, it means that they are different than you and this different is might be the thing that you and your company needs to bring innovation. My name is Marike Sai, I am CPTO at Frisch. And at Frisch we believe in honest insurance for everyone. This means that we deliver a best-in-class software product to help insurers all over the world to make sure that we facilitate them in their insurance processes. My name is Marike Sai and I am CPTO at Frisch. At Frisch we believe in honest insurance for everyone. And this means that with our trusted automation platform, we help our customers and to be customers to make sure that we facilitate our insurance processes all over the world. My name is Marike Sai and I am CPTO at Fris. At Fris, we believe in honest insurance. And with our trusted automation platform, we help our customers all over the world to make sure that they bring honest insurance to their customers. My name is Marike Sai and I am CPTO at Fris. At Fris, we believe in honest insurance for everyone and we deliver this throughout the world by our trusted automation platform.